Well, good morning. Come on, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? You got to make some noise, yeah. Man, it's so good to see you guys. want to welcome you for your first time here, first time in a long time. Welcome here to the Moorhead Campus. Also, we'll get a shout out to the Grayson Campus. Can we get it for our Grayson Campus? Yes. For the last two weeks, I've been hanging out at the Grayson Campus. I'm telling you what, God is up to something great there going on in Carter County. He's already drawing people from all over the region. I, I met the, a couple people from Louisa driving over all the way to Grayson, coming from Ashland to Grayson. Met a lady coming from Ironton, Ohio. You know God's up to something when people from Ohio drive to Kentucky to go to church, y'all. You know what I'm saying? God, like God is up to something there. And I'm telling you what, there's such a sweet spirit happening today, especially a baptism service taking place in Grayson. And it's just such an honor and a blessing to be able to pastor in this region, man, to see what God is doing. And so, hey, you guys keep up the great work because I'm telling you what, the best is yet to come. Uh, and, and especially with our new campus pastor with Aaron, I'm speaking to those guys right now. Right now, I'm telling you, he's going to just deliver you, and, I mean, and lead you guys uh, to really reach that region. And we're super, super excited. You know, today we kick off this brand new series called Hurry. And I want to just take a poll. How many of you are busy? Come on, get your hand up. You're busy. Get your hand up. Come on, my busy, right? Right? Get your, like, if you put both feet up, right? We're always, always in a hurry and we're always busy. And most of us would say our life is busy. Most of us would say our life is crazy because busy people, let me tell you something about busy people, and I'm preaching to myself today. Let me tell you something about busy Busy people are always in a hurry. Like busy people are always in a rush. For instance, don't raise your hand this morning, but how many of you got in an argument and fought on the way out the door because you're in a hurry this morning at church? Oh, uh, we know who you are. You don't have to raise your hand. We see how you get out of your car, right? We got it on video. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, right? I mean, come on, right? We're, you're always in a hurry. You're like, you're yelling at me. Like, get out of the house. We got to hurry and get to church. Today's the Lord's day. Get out of here, kids, you know, and you're in. Right, I never do that. I never have a, that, that problem whatsoever, right? And so you're always in a hurry, or you're going to the grocery line, right, and you're going grocery shopping, and you begin when you have your cart. I like, this is when you have your cart full. I know they have, now we complained there were no cashiers, and now every line's open. You got to scan it yourself with the barcode. You scan 728 things with your barcode, and next thing you know, it didn't take it right? And then you're frustrated because it didn't work. But I know, right, you go grocery cart shopping, you got your grocery cart pack, and you start all these algorithms in your head. You start looking at every line. Which one has the shortest line? Which, how many people's in line times how many things are in the basket divided by the age of the person checking them out? Come on, don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. You do the same thing. And then you pull in there to the line, and what do you do? You look over at the line you were going to get into to see if they're moving faster than you because you're competitive. Why? Because you're in a hurry. I mean, that's life. That's just how we go through it. You know, uh, I know this, this was coming, this message in this series, and I'm really preaching to, my, to myself. And, and it's so funny how you hear the word hurry and busy all the time when you're about to do a sermon and you're about to do a series on it. You talk to people all the time, and here's what they say, I'm busy. How's life? Busy. How's work? Busy. How's family? Busy. And everything's busy, busy. And the reality is this, we wear this badge of busyness as, as like a badge of honor. I mean, you ever notice that? I mean, imagine somebody you meet one time and say, how's life is doing? Dude, man, I'm like this like peacing out. Life is so chilled right now. I mean, life is like never in a hurry. Life is just good. I'm resting. I like take two naps a day. I mean, life is just great. What do you say? Lazy. Right? I mean, come on, because it's a badge of honor to always be 
busy. And so when I want to walk you through this, because this is really just a foundational message to set us up uh, uh, for what we're heading over the next several weeks. And so I just want to walk you through some of the lies that, that I believe, listen, I'm preaching to myself, that I believe when it comes to busyness and, and being in a hurry. And these are lies that I believe. I bet you probably a few of us in here, you believe these lies too. And so before we kind of jump into some practical things, what, what are some of the lies that we believe when it comes to being busy? Here's a big one for most of us. It's that there's never enough time to do everything. Like I just don't have enough time. Like by the time I get up, get the kids to school, and get to work, and then get home, and then dinner, and then we got practice, and then everything else, and you got laundry, and you got everything. I mean, if Alexa could do laundry, she'd be amazing. I hope Amazon figures that one out, you know? And, and, and so you're, you're just like, I just don't have time to do everything that I need to do. And the reality is you do have time to do everything that God has intended for you to do. And when you start looking at your life and you don't think you have enough time, the reality is, is this. Either one, you've mismanaged your time, and we can work on that, or you're doing something that God has never called you to do. And you've added it to your plate, and you've added it to your schedule. And you say, and we don't like people to blame us for mismanaging our time. Like we have, we have good intentions with our time, but we blame everybody else and judge them how they're late and how they manage their time. When the reality is we got to look and see how we're managing hours. And I'm telling you what, this lie right here, that there's not enough time to do everything I need to do, is a lie that will fuel you to keep you busy over and over and over. Because here's the reality, it will never, ever, ever get done. It's never always, always going to be done. There's always going to be something else. There's always going to be more. And so if you're sitting here and think, I don't have enough time to do everything on my schedule, it may be, one, you've even mismanaged your time, or two, most likely, you are doing something that God never intended for you to do in the first place. And so you've got to wrestle with that and look through your calendar and look through your schedule, look through your life and see, am I doing something God hasn't called me personally to do? And we're going to talk a little bit more in the weeks to come, what fuels us, like what's in our heart that makes us want to stay busy and do things all the time. Here's the second law, is that it's just a busy season now. Oh man, did I used to say that? It's just a season right where we're in. Hey, dad's busy right now, it's just a season. Honey, I'm just busy right now. We're church, it's just a season. Busyness is a season. It's just a season in my life. Here's the reality, seasons come to an end, and your season never comes to an end. That's one thing I love about, I love about Kentucky is that we have all seasons, like ever's enough of all seasons. Well, for the last two years, there's only been like a rain season, all right? We've been like living in Washington. I mean, it's just rained for like the last two years. But you have, you know, I'm about to come into my favorite season is fall. That's my favorite season of the year. My wife's favorite season is winter. That girl just loves, loves winter. She loves Christmas. She loves everybody. About, like the other day, I was out washing her van for her because that's what a good husband does. And you get there and, you know, getting brownie points. And I'm washing my wife's van and, and I pulled it into the garage for her. And she says, I'll clean the inside of it. I'll sweep it out. And I said, okay. She goes, no, I said, I'll get you. She goes, I'll get that because she kind of likes to do that. And she's over there. I got the pressure washer on and I'm watching her vacuum the van. I'm just spraying it. Oh my gosh. So it's a spraying her because I'm watching. I mean, because she's looking good. You know what I'm saying? She's looking good in the, in the garage. And, and, uh, and, and, and the pressure washer, I turn it off. And as God is my witness, it's 92 degrees inside the garage. And she's listening to Christmas music by cleaning cleaning out the, the garage now. Pray for me. Pray for your pastor. Like, I mean, that's what, that's what we're going through. But that's kind of like a season. She's, she has one season. It's like Christmas season all the time. It is Christmas in July. I know what some of you are going to say. Okay, I get that, right? But it's August, so move past that. And so, 
And so we're in these seasons, but busy people say, I just, I, I'm always busy, and it's just a season. It's just a season at work. Work is just busy. Life's just busy. School's just busy. Sports is just busy. Students are just busy. It's like it's just a season, but the problem is the season never comes to an end. You see, busy people don't have a season. Busy people have one season, and it's busy. That's the season. And the reality is it's not that the season is busy. It's that you are busy. It's that the person is busy. And if we keep believing this lie, it's just a season, it's just a season, one day you'll wake up and you'll realize that you're still just in the season and everything else has moved on around you. Let's not believe this lie. Let's slow down. Let's slow our lives down. Here's a third one that's a lie that I believe and that maybe some of you believe too is, that, is, is this, is that this is really, 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 really important. Like this is really, really, really important. This task, this meeting, this opportunity, this person, this, this, this job offer, like this is really, 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 really important. You know, like, like my, my, my 12-year-old, I said, son, come on, it's time to eat. And he goes, dad, this is really, 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 really important. He said, get off your phone, it's time to eat dinner with the family. Daddy, this is really, really, really important. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? He goes, dad, it's, it's Stranger Things, season three, episode eight. It's really, 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 really important. No, important. And I'm like, no, it's not. Let's go. Let, let's eat. You see, if you always are believing that this season or what's going in life is really, really, really important, here, here's the reality is you're going to be running on empty all the time because everything to you is important. And when you are running on empty, listen to me, listen to me. I know this from experience. You don't have the discernment. You don't have the wisdom. And you don't have the intelligence to be able to discern and decide what really, really is important in your life. Because you are running on empty. So don't have to raise your hand. But are, are any of these lies that you believe in? These are just a few. It's just a handful. It's not everything. These are the ones that I've personally wrestled through in my own life. Like are these any of the lies that you believe in? Because here's what I found out about being busy personally. And if this is true, I believe for me, it's probably true for you as well. And some of you may get defensive when I say this. But busy people are broken people. Busy people are really, they're broken. They're broken emotionally, they're broken spiritually, and they're broken relationally. And I know what somebody's saying now, well, Pastor, I'm busy, I'm busy. Well, we've got to redefine this. When you're trying to say busy, the truth is most busy people have superficial relationships, this surface level. They don't have deep relationships. Busy people don't have time to get, jump into a group, which we're about to launch here in the fall, because I'm busy, which means I don't have time for relationships. You need relationships in your life. You need to have these, not superficial relationships, but deep, meaningful relationships with people in your life. Most busy people don't even know this, but they probably have a wounded heart. And there's something with inside of them that's keeping them and fueling them to always be busy. We'll unpack that as the weeks come, as we walk through this. But the reason why you're so busy is because you're trying to fill up what you're broken What's inside of you that's, that's compelling you that you even unconsciously might not even be aware of a why I'm always staying busy. And I know some of you, I know you may receive that defensively, but when we get to heaven, you'll see that I was right on this one. That we're broken. I was broken. I was so busy. In fact, out of that busyness and brokenness and, and seeking the Lord through all this, uh, a verse became one of my life verses that became one of our life church verses that actually we actually named the church Based on this, our mission, vision, whatever you want to call it, is based on John 10, 10, which says this. He, Jesus says, I've came so that you can have a real life, eternal life, a more life, a, a, a bigger calendar schedule. Now, I've come that you can have a better life than you've ever dreamed of. Does that describe you? 
a real life, eternal life, more life, a better life? Because let me tell you what, busyness is the enemy of the better life. When you are always busy, when you're always in a hurry, it will rob your faith, it will rob you from your relationships. And here's the crazy thing, busyness is a heart issue. Staying, being hurried all the time is a heart issue. And my question is, what's fueling your heart to keep you always busy? What's fueling inside of you that's disoriented your schedule, that's disorienting your heart? Because when I admit my brokenness, now I can dig deep in to see what's really fueling me in life. My accomplishments, my accolades, what people think about me, my own insecurity, which a lot of that, the fear of failure, perfectionism. I'm getting ahead here for the several weeks to come. But these are things that are heart issues that compel us to always wear the badge of honor, hey, I'm just busy. It's busy right now. we got to find out why are we always so busy. And you're saying, Pastor, why is this so important? Let me tell you why this is important. This is important because busyness and hurry and rush will cost you. It will cost you more stress, which will cost you your health. In fact, I, I've done some research, and I didn't even know this was a diagnosis, but a hurry sickness is a diagnosis. Did you even know that? I didn't even know. Hurry sickness is a diagnosis. That people will always hurry, they're, they're always sick. And not like sick so much like, like a virus sick. It does lower their immune system, but they're always stressed. They're always anxious. They always worry. Let me tell you, hurry people always worry. You always check them out. People who are always busy struggle a lot of times with anxiety. They get anxious. They're always stressed to the max because they're busy. And it's one thing to the next thing. They never take time to rest. If you were always busy, it will steal your joy from you. You will lose your passion. You will be less productive. This was a big one for me because I thought if I was always moving, if I was always busy, then I would be more productive. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Being busy a lot of times is like a rocking chair. You're moving, honey, but you ain't going nowhere. You're not being productive. And just because you're busy doesn't mean you're productive. And just because you're busy doesn't mean you're doing the things that God has called you to do. We've got to slow down and figure this out in our life. And let me tell you something about busy people. The majority of them, most likely, don't hear from God because they're too busy. And it's not because God doesn't speak. It's because you haven't slowed down enough to listen. As the scripture says, be still. Just be still for a moment. And know that he's God. Busy people can't be still because they have one season and it's always, always busy. Now, you, I, by looking at you and some of your elbowing going on, I can see it. Hopefully, listen, Grace, there's a lot of elbow going on here in Moorhead. Listen, y'all want some good news? Okay, two people here in the Moorhead campus want some good news. Here's the good news. Busyness is a choice which means you can change this, you can fix this, you, you have the power to do this. Busy isn't better, choosing better is better, and I am convinced that until you have learned to choose better, you will always be running on empty, always be running on empty. So here's what we're going to do. We need to make some life-changing decisions. And no, I'm not talking about getting like uh, thickening hair shampoos to cover up the thinness so nobody can see it. Did I, did I say that out loud? Not that I'm struggling with that right now, sis. Not that I'm struggling with walking, working through that. Like you need to make some life-changing, altering decisions in your life if you want to move through this. And so this is not an anxiety message, but most people who are busy struggle with anxiety. I know because I've been there, I've done that. And when I talk with people anxiety who are in crisis mode, you know what I'm talking about? Like you're in crisis mode. Let me define crisis mode. Your hands are sweating. You get dizzy. Your heart begins to beat out of your chest. 
Uh, you, you, like, you go numb sometimes, like you, your body begins to tingle, like you're, you're in crisis mode with anxiety. And a lot of times when you do that, you have to give them things they can do immediately to calm them down when you're in crisis mode. So if you struggle with anxiety and, and things like that, and you're in crisis mode, like right now, here's some real quick, this is not an anxiety message, but here's some practical advice real quick that you need to do. Number one, cut out all caffeine right now. You need to cut out every bit of the caffeine that you take in your body, like right now. You said, how come? Well, when your hands begin to sweat and your heart begins to beat out of your chest and you begin a little get a little bit dizzy, and if you've never struggled with anxiety, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but have sympathy for those who have gone through it, empathy with them because it's a real thing and people struggle with this all over the world. And when you go through something like this, here's what's happening. Your body is overstimulated. And with the stress hormone in your system, you have overstimulated your nervous system. And what happens... Your body is responding the way God had designed your body to respond. It's like when your hands begin to sweat and your heart begins to be out of your chest and you begin to, that is the warning sign. Hey, your nervous system is overstimulated. You need to calm down. Caffeine's a stimulant. And caffeine will stimulate your nervous system that's already overstimulated. So the first thing to do is cut out all caffeine, not forever. Get rid of your coffee and all your, all your soft drinks and everything. Cut out all caffeine. Number two, quit exercising, extend, like strenuous exercise. Quit doing your HIIT training. Quit doing your strenuous weightlifting and get outside and walk. Because when you do HIIT training and things like that, it puts more pressure and, and more stress on your nervous system that's already stressed out. So just get outside and walk and get in the fresh air. And here's the third one that everybody usually gives me pushback because they don't understand it works. And I promise you it works. Is, is that you need to meditate and can do controlled breathing 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day. You may say, how come? Because watch this. Watch this. When your hands begin to sweat and your heart begins to beat out of your chest and you get dizzy and you feel the anxiety and you begin to get shallower breath and you, if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's your sympathetic nervous system kicking in and it's doing exactly what God has decided to do. Because there's something that you're afraid of that you should run from or you should fight, you flee or fright. And I think there's another F there and it's called freeze. And a lot of times we just freeze and we panic. And that's your sympathetic nervous system doing what God creates to do. However, there's a parasympathetic nervous system and here's what's crazy about it. This is what controls your heartbeat and your heart rate. And it's like a light switch. They both can't be on at the same time. And you have the power to flip it off by controlling your breath. The fastest way to control your heartbeat and calm it down is to control breathing. You're like, are you kidding me? I'm kidding. You breathe in your nose, hold it for about five seconds, and then blow out your mouth. No, this is not Lamar's practice, okay? All right, I understand that, right? Lamar, speaking of Lamar, speaking of the babies, man, listen, Grayson Campus right now, the kids there, they are overflowing. We're out of kids' space at our Grayson Campus. I mean, they have babies over there. Man, we're like biological growth, one of the number one ways to do church growth. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. I mean, it's amazing to see. We're out of kids' space already, and the church is, a, listen, it's only a half a year old. I mean, this is unbelievable what God's doing. But begin to control your breathing. It's the fastest way to control your heart. Those are quick things you do when you're in crisis mode. And then you can stop for a moment and get to the root issue of why am I panicking? What am I afraid? I'm going to give you some practical advice for crisis mode today. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack what's the root issue while I'm always busy. What's the root issue? I'm always, always in a hurry. So if you're ready for the sermon, so let's go. All right, I got 18 minutes. Here we go. Here's the first thing you need to learn to do. Practical tips, practical advice. You got to take a Sabbath. You need to take a Sabbath. 
Now, I know what you're saying, thinking, what's the Sabbath? I heard that somewhere in the Old Testament. Is that somewhere in the Bible? I heard people argue about it. You know, what is a Sabbath? When is a Sabbath? Is a Sabbath on a Saturday? Is a Sabbath on a Sunday? What if I work Saturday and Sunday? Like, when do I take a Sabbath? Well, biblically, when you look at a Sabbath, Sabbaths begin on Friday at sundown. That's when it started. And it ends on, on Saturday when the sun went down. And that was historical, the Sabbath. Saturday was the Sabbath that they would rest. The Bible talks about God resting on the Sabbath. He rested on the seventh day. God did not rest because God was weak and he's fragile and he's out of breath when he flung the stars and created the universe. That's not why God rests. God gave the Sabbath not for himself but for you. And for me, because he knew there was a time that we needed to rest. The Sabbath was a day that you would rest and watch this and worship. Sabbath wasn't just a day off from work. Sabbath was a day that you rest and worship. A Sabbath is something you do that gives life to you. Life giving. For some of you, giving life to you, you love to cut the yard. You love to get out inside and do yard work. And that brings life to you. And that regenerates you. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of you like getting on the tractor and you get on the farm. And that's good for you because that's life giving for you. Some of you, you like to escape and you sit in a hammock and you grab a book and you grab your, your, your latte. And you sit and you read and that's life giving to you. It's good to rest on the Sabbath. However, don't miss the second part of that. And that is to worship. And that is to worship, and we're going to do a whole series on worship coming up here in September, talking about what really is worship, because it's more than just you coming, singing, and lifting your hand, and waving your hanky. It's more than that. Like, what is a lifestyle of worship? And the Sabbath was given to rest, and what regenerates you, and that's different for every one of us, but also a set of time for us to reflect and to worship, to recharge emotionally and charge physically. So a lot of people take a day off, but then they don't worship. And I want to talk about putting worship music on. And say, I'm like, they worship and they're thankful and they're mindful that God gave them strength to even do what they do. And so here's what you got to find. When I hit my wall and I struggled with anxiety real bad in 2010, and I hit that wall and I went down emotionally and physically, what I learned is that I was always busy. And what I learned, I was always hurrying. And I was always in a rush. And I was always moving. And honestly, my adrenaline glands got shot because my body couldn't produce it anymore. I found all this stuff. I researched this and how this worked in my body. And because I was not replenishing myself, I was filling myself up, but nothing was evaporating the stress hormone in my life. And I hit a wall because I didn't know how to Sabbath. I didn't know how to rest. My mind constantly moves. It never stops. I wake up at 2 in the morning. It stops. How in the world are we going to continue on? How are we going to keep reaching more people? How are we going to change the region? Drug overdoses going over like crazy. How are we going to stop the drug epidemic that's going on? What if we just start a better life church all the way down I-64? Oh, did I say that out loud? I don't know. See, that's what goes on in my head sometimes at night. How do we? It never stops. It never rests. It's constantly. And I know some of you are going, Pastor, you're talking. That's me. I had to learn how to shut my mind off, how to take time to rest, and how to truly take a Sabbath. Because the greatest weapon the enemy is that he can throw at you is to help you and keep you busy and tired. Because when you get busy and get tired, guess what happens? Guess what happens? The Bible says that we're to take up the sword of the Spirit. We're to put the armor of God on. That we are in a spiritual warfare. That you're ready to fight whatever comes at you. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm. And when you got your hand, guess what happens when you get busy and when you get tired? You begin to drop your arms. And you begin to drop your armor. And you begin to resist, give in to temptation. And you get a little bit bitter and you get a little angry and you get a little 
short-winded because you haven't rested. You, you, you're tired. And when you get tired and when you haven't rested, you drop your guard. And when you drop your guard, guess what happens? You usually latch out into your family who you love the most. You assume they will always be there. That's why you latch out onto them. But also you, it's hard to resist temptation because you've dropped your guard. See, the enemy knows if I could keep you busy and I could keep you tired and I could keep your mind racing, guess what? You'll drop your guard. And when you drop your guard, bam, I will pounce on you just at the right time. No wonder the Lord said you need to take a Sabbath. You need to recharge. You need to worship. You need to do this. He gave the Sabbath for you, for me. The problem is we don't do it because we wear an honor of busyness. You got to find a time. For me, usually Sunday through Thursday is a major work day for me. Fridays have become a Sabbath. That's the time that I take off. That's the time I don't think about anything else. I try to do my mind, get my mind. Don't mean I don't stay at home and stay in bed all day. I'm not saying I do other things that charges me, but for me, that's the time I don't have to, that I just have to feel the, kind of let the weight of the everything go. And then Saturday comes in and all back I'm in the game mode. It's Saturday, man. It's Sunday's coming. And you got to get in. You've got to find that for you. I don't know your work schedule. I don't know your workflow. I don't know how you, you've got to sit down and look at your calendar and find a time where you can take a Sabbath and rest. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary. Come who have hairy burdens and I will give you, look at this, rest. Take up my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. Most of us don't have soul rest. Most of us don't have a soul that's resting. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give you is light. Take up my yoke. And I know what some of you are thinking right now, especially at the Grayson campus. I don't even like eggs, man. What are you talking about? You know what are you talking about? Yeah. I don't like eggs. That's not what he's talking about. Well, I don't want to be yoked like an ox to something. He's not even talking about a yoke to an ox in here. And a lot of times we think the picture is there's, a, uh, there's two oxen with a yoke on them and they're moving and Jesus is their co-pilot. Jesus is not your co-pilot. Take that bumper sticker off. If I see it, I will rip it off if you've got a better life church. He ain't your co He's the pilot, y'all. He's the one that drives the thing, controls the thing, flies the thing. You just better be glad you're on board. You know what I'm saying? Like we're rolling with him. He's not beside you carrying half of the weight. See, when you understand the context, they saw Jesus as a rabbi, one with authority. As the Hebrew word smika says, you're a smika rabbi. Jesus taught as one with authority. Only very few rabbis had the ones with authority. When you become one with authority, you had the power and the privilege to interpret the Old Testament scripture, the law, however way you wanted to interpret it because you had authority by God and from God. What is Jesus saying? The Pharisees, the religious people, the ones that say, if you don't look like us, talk like us, dress like us, vote like us, you can't be a part of us. The religious people. They put all these laws upon you, and they beat you up, and they wear you down, and you carry these burdens. I met a gentleman. He's one of my new friends now. I met a guy the other day. He said when he was a teenager, he had real long hair down to right here, and he went to church one time. And the people at the church said, listen, you're going to go to hell, or you're not welcome because you're a guy with long hair. When I meet people like that, I, the Christian within me, I just want to take out and jack slap someone. You know what I'm talking about? I can't believe my passion. Yeah, there's, I got holy anger sometimes, so you got to judge. Hang tight. That's religious people. My burdens are, are heavy about these do's and don'ts and rules and rituals. Jesus says, the way I interpret the Scripture is light. If you come to me, I will empower you to live out what the Scripture calls you. You will find rest for your soul. My interpretation of the law is different than the interpretations of the Pharisees. That's what Jesus says. says, come to me. My yoke is light. Follow my teachings, he says. But we're so weighed down and 
with burdens and do's and don'ts. Psalms 127 says this, it is useless for you to work so hard from early in the morning till late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. He will take care of his loved ones. You see, the Bible calls those who don't work lazy, but it calls those who don't rest disobedient. And you've got to find a time to rest. Maybe for you, the most holiest thing you can do is take a nap. I see some of your elbow, and he's like, honey, he's talking to you. That's all you do is take a nap, right? I'm telling you, listen, maybe the most holiest thing you can do is rest for your soul so that you can be the best that you can be. Number two, you need to create some margin. you got to figure out how to create some margin. you got to figure out how to take control of your day before your day takes control of you. What does margin do? Margin gives you more time for yourself. It gives you more time for others. It gives you more time for rest. It gives you more time to read. It gives you more time for interruptions. When your life gets interrupted, it gives you more time for delays. When life gets delays, it gives you more time when the Holy Spirit prompts you to be generous, to bless someone, to witness someone, to help someone, to serve someone, instead of driving by them going, I don't have time because I'm in a hurry. You've got to figure out how to create margin and slow down to see God moving around you at school, in your workplace, at the places that you, that you go and you hang out because God is always moving, but we are in a hurry and we don't see it. How do I create margin, Pastor? You don't understand. My calendar is crazy. Here's what I want you to do. I want everyone to do. If you've got, a, if you've got a God's phone, which is the iPhone, <laughs> you can go ahead and take it out. Really, go ahead and take your phone out. I'm going to help you out. If you've got an iPhone, take it. If you have a droid, well, the Bible says the author of confusion is the devil. Just saying, I'll let you follow that down the track. But if you got out, I want everybody to pull your phone out right now. Watch this. I'm, I'm gonna, you, can I pull my phone out, church? Get your phone out. I, 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 I watch this. I'm going to tell you how to create some margin right here. Grab your phone. Now go to settings. Go to your settings. Everybody go to your settings. If you have a droid, I have no idea what it is on you. Uh, go to settings. Scroll down. Go to screen time. Oh, snap. You know what I'm going here, don't you? Click on the name of your phone. Slide over and it says click on seven days. You're welcome because you just found two to four hours that you spend on your phone looking at it and you're wondering where your day goes and you wonder why you don't have margin. Let me help you, fi let me help you fix this in seven days. Here's your homework assignment. Everything you do, every moment you do, every hour you do, write down exactly what you do. Take a calendar out. Get your old school. Get your pen and paper out. And right now, like today, I went to church from 9.30 to 10.30. Good. What are you going to do from 10.30 to 11.30 and 11.30 to 12? Just, just, just take, a, take this snapshot of what you do and what you realize that you waste a lot of time on stuff that's meaningless. And you will find, I promise you, you'll find two to four hours a day that you can get back where you just waste on things that you don't need to be doing. And you got to create some margin. I love what the scripture says in Ephesians 5, 16. It says, make the most of your time. You got to make the most of your time. And here's the reality. Most of us are wasting our time and we're wasting our life. And we go to our grave having no idea why God put us here. Because we were so busy. We were so much in a hurry. We never took time to say, God, what do you want me to do today? What's your to-do list for me? Who do you want me to minister to? Who do you want me to bless at school? Who do you want me to, to, to pray over or pray with or encourage at work today? Who do you want me, when I pass on campus today and I have all these new students around, who do you want me to look at to befriend? See, we don't, we don't pray those because we're in a hurry. 
We don't think about that because we're in a hurry. God's like, no, you need to slow down, take a Sabbath, create some margin. Here's the third one and last one. You need to start saying no. Start saying no. Everybody say no. No, no say no. no. Please say no. no. Some of you will figure that out when it's over with. <laughs> some of you say yes to everything yes to every event yes to every sport yes to everything we don't let our kids play every sport you're a bad parent no pick one we got four of those gremlins we don't have enough gas money to get them to every single thing you kidding me we're gonna like you pick one that's it don't you love me yes i love you but that that's why i love you go one why because we're not going to spread our life thin we're not going to do all this stuff. Every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. Every time you say yes to that, you probably say no to family. Every time you say yes to that, you're praying no to getting out of debt. You've got to figure out what your yes and your no is. You need to learn to start saying no more. But the reason why they say no, because I'm insecure and I want everybody to like me and I'm afraid of failure. That's the next weeks to come. Hang tight. We'll get to those moments. And you say yes to everything. You've got to learn to value your time. Listen, you can lose all your money and you can earn it back. You can lose your job and you can get another one. But when you lose time, you lose it forever. And you can never get your time back. Your time with your wife, your time with your kids, your time with your friends. You can never, ever get those things back. And every time you say yes to this, you're going to say no to this. But every time you say no to that, you're saying yes to something more important. Here's a common denominator that every single one of us have. That's 1,440 minutes in a day. None of us get more minutes than anybody else. You don't have more time than I have more time. Everyone gets the same level playing field. The question is, how are you managing your time? And are you managing it wisely? You have no more time than me. I have no more time than you. It's really we got to look at our calendars and see what are we saying yes to, what are we saying no to. And until we figure that out, you will always be busy and you will always be in a hurry and you will always be rushed to the next event, to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. You'll crash with minimal amount of sleep at night and you'll get up. You depend on coffee and the caffeine and you get to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And then all of a sudden you wonder why you're stressed and you worry why you're anxious and you wonder why you worry all the time and you worry why you got these symptoms I've been talking about and you don't know how to get rid of them because you won't rest. See, God's way smarter than us, y'all. He talked about this a long, long time ago when really we didn't have technology at our fingertips, when we didn't have all these things that you can go do. He talked about you need to create time to rest. And you know what's so crazy about this? Because I know what the reason why, especially if you're in the Christian world and you're trying to be a good Christian, you try to say yes to everything. You try to say yes to every meeting. You try to say yes to every ministry. You try to say yes to every mission. You try to say yes, yes, because I'm trying just to be a good Christian. But the crazy thing is, you know how many times Jesus said no? It's fascinating when you read through the Gospels how many times Jesus says no. No, I'm not going to go there. No, I'm not going to heal them. No, I'm not. It's my time. Jesus knew to say no because he knew exactly what he was focused on. Last verse, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. So he got before the Father and said, Father, what do you have plans today? Jesus says, I only say what the Father tells me. I only do what the Father wants me to do. How do I know what the Father wants to do? I'm going to get along by myself and say, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you have direction for me? Verse 36, this is later. Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. 
Everyone wants you on their calendar. Everyone wants you to show up at their event. Everyone wants you to sign up for what's coming up. Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. That sound familiar? But Jesus replied, and it's implied no here. We must go on to other towns as well. What did Jesus say? I'm not going there. It's okay if everyone's looking for me. But they want you to come back down and do the healing ministry again and, and make sure everybody gets healed again. And Jesus like, no. And he said, no. Because there are other towns as well. And I must preach to them, this is my purpose. This is why I came. You know why so many people are so busy? I'm jumping ahead here because you don't know what your purpose is. And you're not laser focused on fulfilling your purpose. That's why you're doing everything because you don't know what that one thing is. Jesus says, I know exactly why I came. And I want to encourage you to begin to figure out why you're here. What is that purpose? And I know a lot of times, I never forget, I talked to this lady one time. She went to her counselor. And she said, my counselor says I'm stressed out so much and I'm so stressed that I got to stop things in my life. I'm like, okay, well, the Bible said that 1,800 years ago. So, I mean, we're, we're really on track here, okay? Right, we, we got to do that, work through these things. And she said, so I made a decision that I'm going to cut out going to church. I said, are you kidding me? I mean, literally, I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, a, I'm in shock here. I said, are you, are you kidding me? She was, yeah, I'm going to stop doing ministry stuff and, at, at, at church and I'm going to stop going to church and and this was before we had anything online, and then this was, wasn't here. This was at the other church I, I was serving at. And I said, I'm going to stop going to church. And I was like, are you kidding me? She goes, yeah, i got to cut things out of my life. Listen to me. First things you're going to say uh, yes to, say yes to being with the family of God. Say yes of worshiping. We've done some research and, and looking around. And just if you're visiting with us at Grayson, if you're visiting with us at Morehead, I'm going to speak to the Better Life Church family. And the reality and the statistics and the way the church is moving on a digital age and where you can watch on Facebook and online and stuff, the average church attender across the board is usually coming twice a month. We did some research and we tried to dig up some information to try to look even our own people attend our church here at Better Life Church at Grayson and here at Moorhead. And the average person comes once every three weeks. If everyone would show up who calls Better Life Church the home church, we have Easter every week. We had 3,200 people this past Easter. That's how many people we're ministering to as a church as a whole. And the average person comes once every three weeks. And we could track that because we could see kids. Kids check in once every three weeks. So families with kids check in once every three weeks. That means you bring your kid to church once every three weeks. And I'm here to tell you, I would much rather say no to soccer on Sunday and yes to Jesus worshiping with the family. And some of you may be offended by that. And you're like, well, Johnny, he's the best. Okay, go Johnny. But let me tell you something about Johnny. You're going to make it that little G God become his God. And he's going to rebel. And you're going to bring him to my office when he's a teenager. And you're going to say, fix him, pastor. Because that's what happens. Just because you raise your kid in church does not guarantee they're not going to part. And they're going to go AWOL. And they're going to depart and go a different way. That's not a guarantee. But I'm telling you what, there's no greater foundation. We've got one of the best kids' ministries on the planet, one of the best youth planets on the planet to instill and, 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 and speak it to your kids. But when you bring them once every three weeks, why? We're busy. We're in a hurry. Sunday we got to rest because we've been out late all night Saturday. And because we offer online, and this is not trying to be harsh or mean, but even people without kids, 
we made it very convenient for you to stay at home in bed. And some of you right now, that there's people all over the world. This is black. Listen, last week I met this lady. She moved from Nebraska back over here into the Carter County area. She's going to our Grayson campus. And she said, every time you address people online, I want you to know you're reaching people just like me because from Nebraska, I watch you every Sunday. And now I've moved back here and I'm living here now in Grayson. I said, are you kidding me? That's awesome to reach people all over the world. It's awesome when people, I have a friend that works at the hospital, and every other Sunday they have to work. They have to work. And while they're working, right there they got Better Life Church up on the screen watching while they work. Is that not amazing? Thank you for your generosity because because of your generosity, we get to minister and reach people like that. But then there's a lot of people who are lazy this morning, and they're laying in bed, and they could be here because they've been in a hurry and rush, and they watch. I'm glad you're watching, but let me tell you what. There's nothing like worshiping with the family of God. There's nothing like being with family. The Bible tells us to spur and encourage one another to be and meet with the family of God. And maybe God knows right now if they all show up, we have no room for everybody. You know that? You know we're running out of kid space? We're out of kid space. All right, we got this great, beautiful facility we've been in for two years, and we're out of kid space. That's a great problem to have. And we're figuring out how do we do that. I just want to encourage you. Figure out what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to. And the healthier you become, the easier it is to say no. The easier it is to say no. So here's some things, final thoughts real quick. God has created you with limited amount of time. And some of you at the Moorhead campus, you figure this out because you had the same thoughts. Why in the world do you pave 32 a week before school starts? Anybody else had that thought but me? Okay, I had to repent a few times here at the Moorhead campus right? I'm in a hurry. <laughs> well, you're going to be sitting here for a while. You got to order to make the best use of your time around the top priorities in your life. You can't get distracted on good things, good things, and stay focused on the best things by putting God central in your life. And here's the truth. Where there is a peaceful heart, there is a restful soul. Busy people are not restful people. Busy people don't have a peaceful heart or a restful soul. Here's the formula. Less stress equals more peace. More peace equals more rest. More rest equals a healthier you. A better mom, a better dad, a better friend when you're healthier. And that's what we want for you. We really truly want a better life for you. An abundant life. A full life. Not a full calendar, but a full life that you can fully live. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. My question to you this morning, in your fast-paced lifestyle, where's Jesus? Are you walking with Him or are you racing in front of Him? You know, it's fascinating when you look through the Scripture, Jesus was never in a hurry. And so I have two responses. One, for those of you who are Christians, check yourself. Where do you need to slow down and really focus on the Lord? Where do you need to stop saying no to so you can say yes to something great. For those of you here at both of our campus and watching online as well, maybe for you the reason why you keep staying so busy is, like I said, there is a brokenness there. And you're trying to fill a void that would never be filled apart from Jesus. And the greatest thing you could do is we kick back, kick off this brand new series and get ready to go back into a crazy season, right? With school starting back and and everything is about to happen this week and the weeks to come the greatest thing you can do is give your life to jesus 
The Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if that's you, I want you to pray with me. Listen to me. Saying a prayer will not save you. But your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And, and this morning, if your heart declares that Jesus Christ is Lord, then give your life to Jesus. So if that's you, I want you to pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and help me follow you for the rest of my life. Now, if that's you at both of our locations, Grayson as well here in Moorhead, you can even let us know if you're watching online. If that's you and you prayed with me, I want to rejoice with you, I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Come on, raise your hand. That's you, come on, get up. And for those who raise your hand, if you raise your hand up to the Grayson campus or here at front, there's a place that you can go to the next step area. We would love to give you some resources. Listen to me, Grayson. We're about to have a baptism service right after service day. Come on, it's time to go in and sign up and be baptized today on the spot. We are ready for you. And we are rejoicing for what God's doing in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy that's new every single day. Father, forgive us that in this fast-paced life, in this fast-paced world, that we wear an honor of of busyness as if it's a badge of honor of busyness as if that was the top accomplishment to accomplish. Father, as I repent, Lord, as I slow down and not miss the promptings of the Spirit when, and see you working around us in our communities in Carter County and Round County and Lawrence County and Lewis County and Bath County and, and Montgomery County. God, would you continue to stir our affection of our hearts that we will be the people you've called us to be and we will encourage one another to be meeting with the family of God on a regular basis just to encourage one another in this fast-paced world to slow down and worship with our family. God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do through this series. I pray you just rejuvenate our hearts. Give us a fresh perspective, a fresh renewal, a fresh passion for your name. That as we rest, that we, we feel like we may be less productive, but we become more effective and a weapon in your hand to be used for your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. For your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church/givenow. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.